The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Game Podcast in America is brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, sports and research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit HOFBets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. We're also brought to you by Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Head to Cut.com, that's K-U-T-T.com, and use promo code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. We're also brought to you by the Sports Game Podcast Patreon. The guys just dropped their bonus behind-the-scenes episode of Sean winning $200,000. Plus, this week's prize, Pick'em Prize, is a free $250 Super Bowl square. SportsCampodcast.com slash Patreon to join today. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast. Now, it is currently Sunday evening. February 4th, I'm your host, Zoe Scott Rochelle, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a bit of a longer episode because we because uh, we have two man, two uh, tournaments to preview. We're looking at Dallas, and we're going to be looking at Marseille. So we're going to preview two ATP 250 events. Now, you might be wondering, Scott, there's three ATP events coming up, so why are you only doing two? And to explain that, one, I thought it would take too long, uh, just going through three separate tournaments in one YouTube video. So I am going to break it down into a separate bonus episode for Cordoba. So there should be an episode posted sometime in the next, I'd say, two hours or so, focusing on Cordoba, which will be another live stream, which does mean since we will have an ev- another episode, we will be giving out more picks because we will have a separate lock and dog segment for Cordoba. So we're going to preview three tournaments tonight, two of them in this episode, one in about I don't know, an hour or two. And the main reason why we broke it down this way is because of the fact that we decided to group the hardcore events together with Marseille and with Dallas, and we're going to put the clay tournament separately in its own episode. But anyway, time to actually start off with a reminder that if you are new to the show, first of all, welcome. If you're new to the YouTube stream, welcome. Hopefully you enjoy a reminder, whether you are new or you have been listening to the show for a while, we do have merch now on the SGPN merch store. So if you want to pick up a t-shirt or a mug, of supporting the show, then you know where to find it on the SGPN merch store. But I wanted to mention that before I forgot. Now, to get into the actual recap of the last episode, the final in Montpierre between Bublik and Chorich, starting off with the actual lock and dog picks, we had a great episode. We got everything right. Starting off with the lock, we had Chorich to win the first set at minus 110, which was a bit dicey. He fell down a break early, but then he bounced back and he won the first set 7-5. Then we ended up picking Bublik and Chorich over Two and a half sets at plus 140 as the dog, which got there as Bubla came back from a set down and won the match in three. And I did mention that in the middle of the breakdown, I thought that taking either guy before the match was a waste of time because you're probably going to find better uh, prices alive. And you definitely could on both guys, plus money on both sides if you wanted it. But I also mentioned Bublik to lose the first set and to win the match at plus 750. And that got there, uh, which I did not officially give out at the end, but I mentioned it during my uh, breakdown of the match, and that worked out well. So basically got everything right. We thought Chorch would start off quickly. We thought Bublik would respond. We thought Bublik would eventually win his uh, second-ever Montpierre title, which he did. I believe it's his fourth-ever ATP title. So congrats to Bublik, and congrats to us, because we had Bublik to win the event at plus 600, which we gave out on the outright episode, and that worked out well. He did not make it easy. In fact, Bublik made it harder on himself than anybody ever has before because Bublik made history in his title run. He was the first ATP player ever to win a tournament despite losing the first set in every single match, which sounds extremely difficult, and it was. He did it in all four matches, but that's kind of the most Bublik record I've ever heard in my life. 
But Bublik got off the slow starts the entire event, and then he ended up responding well in all four matches to get the job done, uh, most notably that uh, tiebreaker against Chapo, where he did face a couple of match points. But Bublik got the job done, which means we got the job done because we cashed the outright, and we also cashed the lock and dog picks. So anyway, hopefully we'll get another sweep here in this episode. A reminder of the format, if you are new to YouTube, we're going to preview the actual uh, just outright odds first, then we'll actually get into the picks, and I'll mention some draw analysis in the process as well. But for the actual tournament, we're going to go through Dallas first, because we are going to talk about uh, the... Uh, just in alphabetical order, figured it made more sense to go through Dallas. I didn't really have much more to add for my takeaways from the final in Montpierre, by the way. Apologies if you were expecting me to, but it went the way that I thought it would. I thought that Bublik would start off slow. I thought that he would wake up, and I thought that his game translated better to the courts in, in Montpierre. And I did think that George, despite uh, having success throughout the entire event, I thought would potentially struggle in some high-pressure moments because he had not faced any in his entire run, and he did, because Bublik eventually brought the pressure to him. George couldn't really handle it. He squandered a bunch of break points in the third set as Bublik held on, and he won behind a very solid first serve and some solid volleying as well. Now, as for the uh, actual schedule, I said it before, we're going to go through Dallas first, then we're going to get into the preview in Marseille. We're brought to you by the SGP Patreon. The guys just dropped this month's bonus episode, behind-the-scenes breakdown of Sean's $200,000 win. This week's Patreon Pick'em Prize is a free $250 Super Bowl square, plus access to all the pick sheets and an exclusive channel on Discord. Head over to sportscampodcast.com slash Patreon. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball, and college football. Simply pick higher or lower on your favorite player's fantasy stats and cash in. You can win up to 100 times your money with some spicy plays. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little money over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, remember to use the promo code SGPN. Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. So Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished recapping the very profitable episode that we had for the Montpierre final. Now it's time to get into the reason why all of you are here. The previews for the next ATP 250 events, which will be taking place on a hard court in this case with Dallas and with Marseille. So we're going to start off with Dallas and we're going to look at the previous winners. Relatively new tournament. There's only been two winners in the tournament's history. You had Yibing who ended up beating Isner in that insane final last year where both guys kept going back and forth on match points in the tiebreaker, and Yibing eventually got the job done as he won that one in three. year before that, you saw Pelka beat Brooksby. So as you can tell, two ma uh, massive servers made the final here in each of the uh, two years because you had Isner last year and you had uh, Opelka making it the year prior. So not really much history to take away, but the point is the courts do play pretty quick, so big serves tend to help in this actual environment. Now to go through the actual odds for this event, since I don't really have much to add for the actual history of the tournament. Uh, to go through the odds here, you have Tommy Paul, Ben Shelton, and Tiafo in most spots as the co-co favorites at about plus 450. You have Manorino at 7 to 1. You have Eubanks at 11 to 1. Thompson at 12 to 1. Mickelson at 16 to 1. Giron at 20 to 1. Nishioka at 22 to 1. Daniel at 22 to 1. Purcell at 22 to 1. Uh, Hijikata at 25 to 1. Vukic at 25 to 1. Momoa at 28 to 1. 
To be honest, I think I mentioned way too many names because I'd expect one of the main favorites to win this event. But the point is, I wanted to at least mention that we do not have any quarter odds. So unfortunately, cannot break down the quarters. So instead, we are going to just go right ahead into the outright winners. So to go through the actual picks that I have for this event, there's three co-favorites, and I'm going to pick one of them. Uh, actually, no, I'm picking two of them uh, because I do think it will be pretty top-heavy as the event unfolds. So starting off with my first pick, I am going to go with Ben Shelton at plus 450. I mentioned before that Isner and Opelka each made the final in the previous two years. Big serves do very well here, and Shelton is easily the biggest server in this field, which I do think will pay some dividends for him. But another reason why I do like Shelton is the actual path to the final it is a pretty favorable draw. Now, on paper, you might see some difficult competition, but assuming the best players in his section do win out, then you're looking at Shelton having good head-to-head -head records against a lot of the competition. His path. He has a bye in the first round, then a matchup against Mo in the next round, assuming Mo wins. He has a 1-0 lead in head-to-head -head against Mo. Then he would face off against Thompson. He's up 2-0 against Thompson. Competitive matches, but Shelton did win both of them. And then he has a matchup against Tommy Paul, where he is 2-1 in the head-to-head. And the point is, Shelton has proven he can beat Paul. And if the courts do play as quick in Dallas as I expect them to, Shelton has a very good chance to make the final. And I do think he should look to get back on track after that heartbreaking five-set loss to Manorino in the Australian Open. So I do think that Shelton is worthy of being a big favorite. And I will pick him as one of the favorites here at plus 450. Now, as for my second outright, it's going to be Tommy Paul at 5-1. to one. Very easy draw into the semis. I know his serve isn't that great, and I mentioned that Shelton does have a pretty good record head-to-head -head against Paul. Each of those matches were competitive, though, so I'm not really going to overreact to it. But the point is, Paul's draw is very easy. He has a bye, then a matchup against probably Taro Daniel, and then a matchup against Kepfer. I mean, that's basically a gift into the semis. So if I'm picking a guy who I think should make a deep run, and you might have to rely on some chaos, maybe some other guys who are favorites to lose before they face him. I'm fine with that because based on the three rounds, the two opponents that I have listed in front of me, that's a gift as far as I'm concerned. So I think Paul at five to one is definitely worth something. And I do think that I'm going to pay, I'm going to take it. Do I think he's going to win the event? Probably not if all the favorites do win out. But the point is, I do think he has a very favorable draw compared to the other favorites, which is why I think this price makes a lot of sense, and it's why I think there is some value on this number. And my last outright, spoiler, not going to take any long shots because I really don't see any winning this event outright. I am going to go with our boy Manorino at plus 700. Last time we saw him, he got buried against Djokovic in the Australian Open, but we saw how good of a run he made before that loss, and he also played in the Davis Cup, and he looked pretty good. So the point is he should be pretty, I'd say, on point for this tournament because he was not sitting around doing nothing since the Australian Open. He was playing Davis Cup action with France, and he did win his matches. So he should look pretty sharp, and I do think he has the game to beat Shelton. We saw it, for example, as he was able to beat Shelton in the Australian Open. He also won three titles last year. Two of them were on indoor hardcourt, so I know that his game does translate well to any indoor hardcore environment, and Manorino is very annoying to play against because he's very unique with the style. We know he keeps the ball in play, hits the ball very flat, and I do think he's in line for a good showing, especially based on the head-to-heads of guys in his path. So looking at his potential draw, he has a bye in the first round, then a matchup against probably Nishioka, 
two nothing head to head. Then maybe Eubanks uh, in the next round, but Eubanks has not exactly done well head to head against. But Eubanks is a head case, and I don't think Eubanks is that good. I've gone on record saying that, so I think Eubanks probably loses before even facing off against Manorino into that hypothetical matchup in the quarters. And then he's a matchup against Tiafo, where he's one and two in the head to head. All the matches were competitive, though, so that can be close. But Tiafo's also been inconsistent recently, and I really don't like his current form. So even though the head-to-head isn't as solid as, for example, Shelton's, which I mentioned in his respective draw, I do think Manorino's consistency is going to help him outlast some questionable guys like Eubanks and Tiafo, who can self-destruct at any moment, and they might end up losing before even facing off against Manorino. But 7-1 for a guy with three titles last year, Two of them on indoor hardcourt, I think, going to bode well for him in the spot. Give me uh, the really solid player, just a consistent overall player, a friend of the podcast, Matt Reno, at plus 700. So once again, my picks for the actual outrights will be on Shelton, plus 450, Paul at 5-1, to one, and Manorino at 7-1. to one. There were a couple of other guys who I thought about, but the draws I really wasn't sold on. Tiafo's draw is okay. I do wonder if Mickelson will give him a threat in the second round or not. We'll see. Uh, but Mickelson looks pretty good in Australia. We'll see how he looks in this matchup. But Tiafo's a head case. I saw him losing this event last year to, to a wolf. So Tiafo, we know, can beat himself more often than uh, on a rare occasion. He does it pretty often, actually. So Tiafo, I'm going to stay away from. I just don't want to take that price with a guy who's that untrustworthy in these spots. I thought about maybe taking a shot with Eubanks based on the draw and the fact that the head-to-head has been favorable on his behalf against Manorino. But do I think Eubanks is good enough to win this event? No. His serve is very good, though, which is why I consider it, but I don't trust Eubanks enough to actually get the job done to win the entire thing. Maybe if they had quarter draws, I'd consider it. But once again, I don't have quarter odds to actually choose from, so I can't take Eubanks as a result. Now, for other options, I thought about maybe Thompson, solely based on the initial draw in the first two rounds. But the point is, Shelton has beaten him in the two meetings, so I can't take him there. And that's basically it. I feel like I'm going to mention Marseille in a second, having the much tougher overall draw and field. But for the sake of Dallas, I do see one of the chalky favorites winning. And as a result, I did pick three chalky favorites as my outright picks to win this event. Now, as for Marseille, we're going to switch gears talking about what should be a much more, I don't want to say competitive field, because this definitely is the more talented field. You might argue it's going to be top-heavy once again, but you have a lot of really, really good players in this field, and I'm not going to be biased towards America, because I am American. The overall field is a lot better in Marseille, as far as I'm concerned. Now, looking at the actual uh, outrights and looking at the actual prices for those outrights. We're going to start off reading off all the favorites, and we'll go down the line. Hercatch is the favorite at plus 450. Dimitrov is 6-1. to one. Uh, Umber is 8-1. to one. Kord is 8-1. to one. Kishanov is 8-1. to one. Felix is plus 900. Uh, Laheshka is 14-1. to one. Batista Agut is 16-1. to one. Musetti is 20-1. to one. Shapo is 20-1. to one. Fakina's 22 to 1. Shevchenko is 25 to 1. Mox is 25 to 1. Rusevori is 25 to 1. That's basically it. So, to go through the history of the event, talking about the previous winners, Hercatch is the defending champion. You actually have a couple of former champions in this current field. Hercatch beat Bonzi last year. Rublev beat Felix. Felix is in the field, but he never won. He was just a runner up twice. Nevedev beat Umbe- uh, beat uh, Urbear in. 
uh, the Met tournament a couple years ago. Sitipas beat Felix. You saw Sitipas win again against Kushin, and you saw Kashanov beat Puit. So you have her catch in the field. Felix, two-time runner-up in the field. You have uh, Kashanov in the field as well. So several former champions, and we'll see what happens as the tournament unfolds. But her catch, I think, is a worthy favorite, and I do think he's in line to win this event. He's been very, very good recently. He was great here last year. The serve kind of dominated the entire tournament, and I do think you're going to see a pretty similar story here. So for my outright pick, I'm going to start off with her catch, defending champion, best player in the field, looked really good in Australia, lost a hard five-set match to Medvedev, who was one set away from winning the entire event. So I do like the current form that her catch was in. He looked good in the United Cup before the Australian Open. He's been very solid. I think he's worthy of being a favorite, and he has a pretty good draw. Looking at the actual path for uh, her catch, he has a bye in the first round, then Shevchenko in the next round, which can be difficult, but I think the serve is going to dominate in that match. So I think that her catch will eventually find a break or two as he will beat Shevchenko. Then either Makic or Musetti. If you want to throw Murray into there, be my guest, but I'm not going to waste my time with Murray. I think Makic is going to end up winning that little section, so that can be a fun match, but her catch is the better player. So that's going to be the common theme here. I just think her catch is better amongst all his peers in the immediate draw, which is why I think he has a decent path to the final. Now, in the semis, you'd have to face off against either Umber, Shapo, or Fakina. I'll let those guys kill each other, and I'll let her catch feast on the scraps. But when you're the best server in the entire field by a wide margin, and you were able to win this title last year, I do think there's some value uh, with that actual uh, price, and I think he's worthy of being plus 450, so that will be my first pick. Now, I will admit, for a lot of these guys, I was tempted by, but the draw was very difficult. And one of the guys mentioned, is actually in the comments section, as uh, Myron mentioned that he thought he had thoughts about Felix at plus 900 because he's great on indoors and definitely benefits him and his confidence. You're not wrong, because I thought about taking Felix at 9-1. to one. The issue is I, noticed the same is, I noticed the same problem with a lot of these guys. The draws are not that favorable. Now, Felix has a decent draw early against Hallis and against Zhang or Moore. Should win both of those. The problem is he'd face off against Kashanov in the quarters, and Kashanov's done well in the head-to-head -head against Felix, so it's not exactly a great path for Felix after the first two rounds. I thought about Felix. I didn't take him. I actually only have two outrights in this entire event, and her catch is one of them. But Felix I was tempted by. I was concerned about the head-to-head -head against Kashanov, and I do think that match would be an absolute war. So I didn't really feel great about it. Felix, though, was an honorable mention for one of the outrights I was going to take. I didn't take it. I was not a fan of his of his uh, draw against Kashanov, followed by potentially some other high-profile guys, including her catch. So I stayed away from Felix. I get the angle, though. Very good on hardcore indoor specialty, and plus 900 is a pretty good price. I just didn't take him because I thought this field was too difficult, and I didn't think Felix would win the entire event. Now, as for my other outright, going to be a little bit out of left field, but I did go with a semi-long shot in this event. I did take Laheshka. At 14 to 1. Now, a couple reasons why. First of all, he was in very good form entering the Australian Open. Fatigue might have played an issue there, but he ended up beating uh, everybody in Adelaide as he won the title. Beat Draper, killed Korda in the semi. But the point is, Lashko won his first ever ATP title right before the Australian Open. And I do think that's going to bode well for him and his confidence moving forward. Now, he did play a match in the Davis Cup. I believe it was against Israel uh, where he ended up winning. But the point is, he did not take any time off 
after Australia. He's been staying sharp. He was in Davis Cup action with uh, the Czechs. So the point is I do think you're looking at a guy who should be in good form. Kind of like my angle with Manorino. I like guys who remain active, who's not, who are not going to be rusty early in events. And I do think that Laheshka is going to look pretty sharp from the get-go in this event. Now, the main reason why I am going to take him is the actual path. Because I think Laheshka's path is very solid for a 14-to-1 odds guy to win the event. Now, to go through the actual path, uh, qualifier in the first round, he should win that. Then Rinderknich, I think he should win that. Then either Dimitrov or Korda. Now, Dimitrov and Korda were two other guys who I thought about. Korda, not so much because he's a head case and he's been really bad so far in 2024. Dimitrov, I thought about, but I did not like the draw. I think Korda can beat Dimitrov. That's a pretty fun match. But the point is Laheshka randomly has a winning record against both Dimitrov and Korda. So Laheshka's been good against those two opponents, then potentially Felix or Kashanov. And he did beat Felix in the only meeting, is 0-2 against Kashanov head-to-head. But once again, I'm kind of going to let Dimitrov and Korda kill each other. I'm going to let Felix and Kashanov kill each other. And hopefully Laheshka's standing against weakened versions of these opponents. And as a result, I think there's some value on Laheshka at 14-1. to But it's mostly based on his confidence, the fact that he won a title right before the Australian Open, the fact that he's remained active in the Davis Cup, and the fact that he's still a very solid player. The issue I had with him in previous years was his lack of mental toughness and his willingness to fold in big moments. We saw it against Baez last year in a title I forgot which event that was. I want to say that was the Western and Southern Open, I think. But the point is he had a chance to win, didn't get it done. And then he also blew that triple match point lead against Murray. I think it was in Doha uh, last year where he was serving for the match and he choked it. So I had issues with Laheshka with his mental toughness. And I was going to wait for him to prove to me that he could handle uh, getting over the hump, so to speak, when he was in some high-pressure moments. He proved that to me in Adelaide. That's good enough for me. I like the draw. Give me Laheshka at 14 to 1. So once again, my overall picks for the entire episode for the outrights. My picks for Dallas are going to be on Shelton at 450, Paul at 5 to 1, Manorino at 7 to 1. Then moving on to Marseille, I have Chalk. I have Hercatch at 450, and I do have Laheshka at 14 to 1. Thought about Dimitrov, thought about Felix, but and I even thought about Kashanov, but the draws individually were a bit too difficult for me to want to lay such a price with them. So I passed, and I went with Laheshka instead at 14-1. to 1. That's going to wrap it up, though, for the actual outrights for Dallas and for Marseille. Now it is time for the lock and dog picks. But before we get into any of that, do you want to take a quick word from our sponsor? We're brought to you by Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Peer-to-peer social betting is the new and better way to bet. Bet directly against your friends or other users on sports, politics, pop culture, and other events with verifiable outcomes, plus a ton of fun social features that give it the feel of a betting social network. Cut offers low VIG and fully customizable odds. You can create your own bets. Cut handles the payment side of things, so you never have to worry about chasing down your money. Social features include group chats, betting leaderboards, head-to-head history, user profiles, fan groups, and more. They also have good rewards. Get cash back every single time you bet against your friends or other users. Cut also allows you to list almost any kind of bet Perfect for getting action on those fun Super Bowl prop bets. Cut is the peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Head to cut.com, that's K-U-T-T.com, and use promo code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger betting smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame Bets, sports analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, and soccer bet. 
with historical stats and data. And there any parlay idea into revolutionary into Halvian Betz's revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet torn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop back in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app for the HO at Bets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the outrights for Dallas and for Marseille. Now it is time for the actual lock and dog picks for some matches in the first round. I'm only gonna I'm gonna group them together, so I'm only gonna have one lock and one dog for this episode. A reminder, we're gonna have a separate one for Cordoba. So we're gonna have two separate lock and dog picks to recap for the next episode for the quarters, where I'm gonna re-merge all or re I'm gonna merge all three of the tournaments together. But either way, point is for the lock. I am going to go to a matchup in Marseille between Shevchenko and Bonzi. Now, Bonzi did make the final last year before losing to her catch, but his form has been so bad lately. I am going to go back to one of our guys we've tended to side with over the last couple of weeks. We're going to take Shevchenko on the money line at minus 135. couple reasons why. First reason, Bonzi has been really bad lately. Really, really bad. Bonzi has lost each of his last seven matches all of them on hardcore. So Bonzi has been a lost cause recently. He's been a pretty streaky guy throughout his career. He won a title last year, for example. But I do think Bonzi is a guy who I just think is in a downswing. And as a result, these odds don't feel right. Now, you could argue, well, it's going to be in Marseille. Bonzi had a good run here last year. He's got the home crowd behind him. We saw the home crowd worked out in Montpierre. All the Frenchmen lost before the semifinals. I don't think it really matters that much. I think Shevchenko is the better player. It's not going to be easy because Shevchenko tends to go three sets a lot. But I do think Shevchenko is the better player. He also won two matches last week before losing a heartbreaker to Bublik as he lost to Bublik in three. Reminder, Bublik won the tournament, so no shame in that. But Shevchenko had Bublik on the ropes. He looked very good. And the one exception was in the Australian Open, where he was clearly injured, as far as I'm concerned, and Munar beat him comfortably. But they did face off last year in Antwerp, and Shevchenko did win in three. So the point is, Shevchenko beat him in hard court already. That was last year. He has looked pretty good recently, and Bonzi's lost seven straight matches. If you lose seven straight, I don't care about home court advantage with the fan base. That means that your price is probably off. Give me Shevchenko to beat up on a weak and poor-formed Bonzi at minus 135 as my lock. For my dog, I am going to go to uh, Dallas. We're going to look at a matchup between Daniel and Listien, and I am going to go with Daniel to win in straight sets here at plus 170, a very good price in my opinion. Daniel made the final in Auckland before losing to Tabilo, and in that tournament, he did end up beating Shelton in straight sets in the semis. So I know Daniel is a pretty good and steady hardcore player. Lestien, not so much. He's got no firepower at all. So this matchup should feature a ton of long rallies. Both guys really can't serve that well. But Daniel is the better hardcore player by a decent margin as far as I'm concerned. Lestien has lost four of his last five hardcore matches. The only win was against Zapata Marias, who's an atrocious hardcore player, and he was a minus 400 favorite. Still won three sets. So Lestien lost a set to an abysmal hardcore player. That's the only hardcore win he's had in the last basically month and change. And I do think that Daniel is the more comfortable player on the surface. I think he's the better player on the surface. And the fact that he made a final in Auckland uh, before losing early on in the Australian Open 
fatigue could have been an issue uh, with that as well without the proper rest time and recovery time in between Auckland and the Australian Open. But the point is Daniel is objectively a solid and consistent hardcore player, and unless TN is not, I think plus 170 is a very good price. It's in Dallas, a reminder, so there's not going to be a home court advantage for either guy. But I think Daniel will be more comfortable in this environment. I do think that he's in line to win this match. But plus 170, fading less TN, objectively bad hardcore player, I think is a very good deal. Give me plus 170 as a result. So once again, my picks for the actual show, the lock is going to be on Shevchenko. On the money line against Bonzi at minus 135. And my dog will be on Daniel to win in straight sets against LSTN at plus 170. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. A reminder, we'll back once again in about an hour or two for Cordoba. I was waiting for some outright odds to be posted, so we'll see what happens with that. But that's going to do it for this episode. A reminder, though, if you are listening to this on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe. If you are listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, don't forget to A, check us out on YouTube, and B, uh, leave us a rating and a review. Also, subscribe to the Tennis Gambling Podcast if you've not done so already. But until then, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.